Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have all the action from a thrilling final Thursday of the NBA regular season from the Orlando bubble at Walt Disney World Resort. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Bubble Waz with Andrew Schlecht running a million simulations of the play-in tournament. Coming up on today's show, the playoff bracket is set. Monty Williams is still a legend anyway, and the bubble continues to keep out COVID. But first, we go to the very last game that actually matters of the NBA season, and it sets up, for the first time ever, an actual play-in tournament in the NBA. Portland, they had to beat the Brooklyn Nets, and they just barely pulled it off. 134 to 133. Damian Lillard did everything he could possibly do to win this game, and it just barely worked, Was Dame, of course, first and foremost, uh, I don't think it's even up for debate. He's been the bubble MVP, the bubble's most outstanding player, the bubble's most earnest trash talker. Um, He was incredible again, you know, over 40 points again. Um, This after missing those crucial clutch free throws against the Clippers, where people thought the Clippers were self-sabotaging in order to get the Blazers into the playoffs. And Dame blew it. And what does he do? Three games in a row, just completely an inferno. Um, Efficiency that you just basically dream of. This is video, literally video game numbers he put up. He was incredible. But, you know, what I will say is you got to give credit to the Brooklyn Nets and Jacques Vaughn and the effort that they put on tonight. They had nothing to play for but to be a spoiler. Karis LeVert, Tyler Johnson, um, you know, even Joe Harris, everybody was kind of contributing. You saw uh, Garrett Temple with some playmaking duties, crucial possessions down the stretch. Uh, you know, Gary Trent has been one of the darlings of the NBA bubble and reopening. And he, you know, he made a couple of key shots tonight and he was, you know, he still hit a bunch of threes. But boy, did they target him down the stretch. He had five fouls and he's actually been. People won't know this from just watching the end of this game, but he's been a pretty good defender during the bubble. Um, it's just he was playing with five fouls, and he, you know, so he sort of had to play defense defense passively, and he got attacked, and Levert just converted over and over and over and over again. Um, and it was so crazy to watch this regular season game, Jared, play out the way so many playoff games we've seen of the last few years down the stretch, where Team A will hunt the mismatch that they mismatch advantage that they have against team B. And you'll just see guys go one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. I think the first time we started seeing this was 2016. Uh, the Cavs versus the Warriors where they just kept trying to find Steph Curry. I think that's when it became a thing that NBA teams did. And you saw that down the stretch. They treated this regular season game like a playoff game because for all intents and purposes it was. Yeah, I mean, we saw it was basically Brooklyn trying to find a way to get Levert to the rim or for him to, you know, drive and kick to someone. Although uh, Harris did a nice job running the baseline. And Jared Allen deserves a ton of credit for tipping out so many offensive rebounds at the end there. I mean, it looked like they were going to win the game just because he was giving them so many second chances. Uh, But then on the other side of the floor... Dame Lillard, he's getting doubled, really aggressive high traps every time, keeps making the right play. And then about, you know, late in the fourth quarter, 
He's coming down the floor. He crosses the half court line and he just he's like, you know what? What the hell? Let's do it. Throws up a 40 footer and just buries it. And what I love is he said after the game, he said it just got to the point where I told myself I'm not going to be able to sleep well tonight if I was just being passive and just making the right play. And so anytime I had a brief window to shoot, I was going to take it. And that included pulling up literally from half court. And he ends up with 42 points. He shot 13 for 22 from the field, eight for 14 from three, eight for nine from the line. And on top of that, he had 12 dimes. So over the last three games, he has combined for 154 points and 27 assists. And this is this is one of the all-time runs. Yeah, when you consider the stakes of the game, because, you know, oftentimes guys can have these stretches in the middle of January, February, or even a March. Um, rarely do you see guys have these stretches in the midst of fighting for your playoff life, and every single loss will mean your team's doom. And Dame came out these last three games knowing they like they could not lose a game and end up in this play-in situation for the last three games, and they won every single one of them. And like you said, these are numbers that we haven't seen since Wilt Chamberlain. Um, and so it's just been incredible to see. Uh, Dame was incredible. CJ, I think we need to mention CJ because that was a gutsy performance. Broken bones in his back. Um, C stuck. The what ended up being the game deciding jumper, uh, you know, after taking on the one on one defensive assignment of Karis Levert, uh, just incredible, incredible guts from CJ McCollum. Just, you know, just an incredible basketball performance all around. It's one of those things where you kind of forget why you're obsessed with the NBA and this game, which is just a play in game, right? This is not the championship stakes. And you saw these guys put it all on the line, and it was just an incredible night. You could almost hear the roar of the crowd in the back of your head, even though it was just a couple guys yelling in actuality on the floor. And yeah, I mean, CJ, his defense on Levert at the end there saved their season. He for, he took away that right-hand drive that Levert was just killing them with, forced him into that you know step back going to his left, and he, you know, and he was a little bit left on the shot. So CJ, he deserves... All, you know, maybe not all the credit that Dame gets, but he deserves a lot of the credit. And then Yusuf Nurkic, she was huge for them in this game, even though it felt like he was on the ground losing the ball like every other possession in the final few minutes there. He finished with 22 points and 10 boards on 11 for 17 shooting. And he did make some pretty monstrous plays, really cleaning some stuff up when they were throwing kind of wild layups up at the backboard and he would fly in there and, the, you know, the closing minutes to clean it up for them. Um I mean, this this was like a perfect game. This is what we wanted. We wanted to see that play-in tournament create more games that could be, you know, a playoff With elimination stakes. atmosphere, yep. and this was it. The stakes were... It felt were, like March Madness. I tweeted that, and this felt like an Elite get Eight game where, you know, the one team is like the five or seven seed or whatever who kind of wasn't supposed to be there, and then there's that one or two seed who everybody agreed was probably going to make it to the final four and that was just that's what it felt like watching that game all right let's get to the news in our playoff bracket breakdown now so the the matchups are going to be in the east milwaukee versus orlando toronto versus brooklyn boston versus philly and miami versus indianapolis but in the west we have 
let's let's say some more exciting matchups. Lakers versus the winner of the play-in tournament, which we haven't even got to yet. It's going to be Portland versus Memphis with Portland in the eight seed, Memphis in the nine seed. So Portland just needs to win that first game on Saturday. It's a mid a matinee matchup against Memphis. Memphis needs to win Saturday and then win again Sunday if they want to get a chance to face the Lakers. And then we have the Clippers versus the Mavs. Denver versus Utah, but we want to start here with the battle between Russ and Chris Paul. Maybe Russ. Russ is a big question mark here. OKC versus Houston. Waz, what's going on with Russ right now? Well, he's got a quad situation right now, and that's one of those injuries where essentially rest is the only cure. Um, And, you know, he's basically up in the air for this series. It's been announced that he's not going to be there to start. We don't know if that means the first game, the first two games, which is, you know, if if he's not going to play, I don't know how you like Houston's chances, especially considering how OKC has looked in the bubble. But I think as far as intrigue goes, man, you know, the 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 the, the, the prodigal son who left, um, who is now back, but in a playoff setting, uh, the king of the prairie, Breaking 19 footers in the clutch, but for the other team, it's it's so much theater. It's what you go to the NBA for. Besides the, you know, the feats of incredible athletic mastery. Obviously, we love the game for that, but we what we love is the theater, the drama of it all. And it doesn't get more dramatic than both Westbrook and Harden in a playoff series against the Thunder. Against Chris Paul, the ultimate, right. <laughs> the ultimate source of drama, right, maybe right. in NBA history. Right, I mean, and this, another a, a former Rocket in his own right. Right, right, right. So this is the revenge series. This is, I mean, how perfect is it that they dump CP and they tell CP, "You're too old. We didn't want to commit that deal to you. It's just only because you fixed the CBA negotiations that you had it in the first place. We're gonna just ship you off to the middle of nowhere in OKC so you can play with a bunch of young guys and a bunch of draft picks." And he had a borderline MVP caliber season. Uh, he, he carried them above the Rockets in the standings, so they technically are the home team in the standings now in this series, which, of course, is meaningless. And this is going to be the ultimate petty, grifty Chris Paul. We are going to see him at his most snarky, competitive level ever. And it didn't even seem like that would be possible. I just hope the NBA has a budget, an overtime budget for the snitch hotline, because now that the playoffs have started, man, they're going to need more workers on that thing working longer hours because now is that time. Oh, yeah. CP's going to be uh, kicking his feet up, twirling the court on his on his uh, landline. Hello, snitch hotline. I think I saw Russell Westbrook again going out for some postmates. Um, now, of course... This is not just down to those three stars. A big part of this is a clash between a team that has found a really good way to utilize a kind of classic big anchor center at Steven Adams against Houston, who is literally completely in on small ball to the point that they don't even have a center in their rotation. Their centers are basically P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, and Jeff Green. So how, how do you see that playing out when you have a real fire versus fire kind of matchup? You know, it's make or miss, excuse me, it's make or miss league type of stuff. I think if Houston comes out and they're making their open jumpers because open jumpers will have to be yielded because you have to help on James Harden. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He's going to beat his one-on-one matchup. You need to help off of other defenders in order to contain him. It's basically going to be a matter of do Jeff Green, P.J. Tucker, 
and um, Rocco make their threes. If they're making their threes, I, b- I would assume that Billy Donovan is going to make the adjustment, go smaller, try to match up. But I think it's just a matter of them making shots or not. Uh, I would assume OKC is going to dare them to make shots, dare them to stop them on the offensive glass, and um, adjust accordingly if that's not the case. And OKC does have Lou Dort, and Lou Dort matches up very nicely against James Harden. He's got a pretty comparable build. So that, that'll be really interesting to see. More if, importantly, as a rookie, Jared, about Lou Dort is that he's a great Haitian. Fellow great Haitian Lou Dort. Shouts to, <laughs> shouts to Haiti. So, shout out to Lugans. He gets the full the full name shout out tonight, uh, and then also uh, just to quickly to note, Dennis Schroeder is back on campus, has cleared quarantine, will be ready to go uh, for the series. So that's huge timing for him. Obviously, he's one of their most important players. Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer body? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes have to be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. They've forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You can also adjust the settings on the lawnmower to get a link that you like and stay on top of it with almost no effort whatsoever. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. They are fantastic. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. So let's move on to Clippers versus Mavs. The first question is, who guards Luka? How do you guard Luka? What do you do against Luka? I think the Clippers, part of the being the Clippers is that your diversity – of wing depth, allows you to throw waves at Luka, throw, give him different looks, switch up your pick and roll coverages, switch up your one-on-ones, and deploy a switching defense in pick and roll. I think what makes the Clippers the Clippers is that they can do that, the diversity um, by which they can attack any single offense. Uh, and I think that's what you'll see them do. I don't think it's going to be all Kawhi, all Paul George, all Pat Bev. Uh, I think you're going to see a variety of guys guarding him, a variety of looks, a variety of coverages. And I think ultimately that's what's going to make them, you know, give Luka lots of major problems in his very first ever taste of NBA-level playoff intensities. As we know, since he's been a teenager, he's been playing in big games in Spain. Um, But for the first time, he's going to be playing NBA-level playoff intensity. And I think, you know, it's going to give him some trouble like everybody else. 
And we know there's going to be at least one tight shot at some point in the series of Marcus Morris mean mugging Luca in his face while Luca is turning around, looking around like, what's going on here? So we're going to see at least some baby face versus some mean mug face uh, from Luca and Mook. And then there's the other question of Porzingis. He's a really weird, tricky matchup for this Clippers team. Do you think Zubac is going to play a huge role in this series? He's going to kind of have to. Montrez hasn't played at all. And so, and Zub has looked great in his minutes. They've upped his minutes load, and he's been up to the task. He seems to be rejuvenated by the guys flying up and down the court. Um, whenever you see a big running parallel to his wings after a defensive possession, sprinting down on the other end, you know this guy is engaged. He's held up defensively. I think you're going to see a lot of Zub, quite frankly, because they haven't been able to work Montrez in during the bubble. Um, especially early. So I would expect to see him play a decent amount. Now, as far as the Clippers are concerned, Lou Will looks like he's pretty much back after grabbing a few wings in Atlanta, right? <laughs> All right, let's move on to the East. So Miami versus Indy. Sabonis, we don't know if he's going to come back. And I would assume that's a major issue, but... He hasn't really been there at all, and they're still pretty good. So does Indy have a chance against Miami? I don't think so. I I just think they're too hurt. They never figured out Oladipo's role as he came back, worked his way back in from injury. You know, they built a nice team, right? Like, they were respectable offense and defense. They had something going. But the last time Oladipo played, he was a superstar, essentially, on that team. He was the functional equivalent of a superstar. You know, the team sort of revolved around his orbit. And now that's not really the case. And they're figuring out a way, like, do we make him a role player? Do we make him this? I just think they have too many identity issues as opposed to the Heat. They've kind of, they kind of already have an identity, which is hilarious because it's the first year of this group with Jimmy Butler. But he fits so seamlessly into hashtag Heat culture that I just think that they have a talent advantage. They have a cohesion advantage. I think Miami's going to beat them quite easily. Now, we saw earlier this year, TJ and uh, Jimmy Butler got into each other's face, and Jimmy, after the game, said that their coach better put someone else on him because TJ can't handle him. Now that TJ is pretty much a superstar at this point, are they going to get it on? (laughs) I I don't think so. I think Jimmy Butler is so good. He's been doing this for so long. He's very good at the mind games. But he's also a stout defender. He's also a team defender. He's going to play to the scheme. Spo being a world-class championship coach, he's going to have an insanely good game plan for whatever it is TJ Warren wants to get done. I don't think this Miami indie thing is going to turn into some one-on-one battle. I think it's going to be Miami, their team, their culture um, is going to overwhelm Indiana. All right, let's get to the news. So as we discussed before, Russell Westbrook, he has a quad injury that is going to keep him out for it looks like the first couple games of that series, but it's currently unclear. Uh, MBPA executive director Michelle Roberts, she met with several players in the bubble Wednesday to discuss plans for next season. According to True Hoops, Henry Abbott, she told the players that the 2021 season is not going to be starting December 1st as currently planned, but it's much more likely to come sometime between late January and early March, and it's probably going to be at another bubble site 
or maybe multiple bubble sites. That's going to be pretty fascinating to see. Uh, so it looks like we may not actually see an NBA game up closer a long, long time. Uh, and of course, the league is still waiting for current CBA negotiations to establish the cap, luxury tax parameters, all that kind of stuff for October's free agency and other vital components of the NBA calendar. Uh, but at least one thing that is definitely scheduled set in stone is the NBA Finals per Arsham Sharanya. It's going to start September 30th, and it will run up to October 13th. And then lastly was Greg Popovich was asked if he'll be back next season, and he said, why not? Is that not perfect pop right there? That is ultimate pop right there. I mean, the sentiment is not like outlandish. Why not come back, be an NBA coach, be with the franchise that you've been with for three decades now? Why not? Yeah, I mean, he was in a very dry, sarcastic mood. He was he was being asked after the uh, after the Spurs knew their season was over after the game. Uh, how what do you think of the twenty two year playoff streak being over? And he's like. What do you, what do I think of that? I don't know. Do you think of that? Like, yeah, come on, Greg. It's a, yeah, we, we, we all think about it and it's a shame that it's over, but (laughs) it was 22 years of incredible, incredible coaching, incredible memories. And Greg Popovich deserves an eternal round of applause from the NBA. Absolutely. And more importantly, because I get to call the Spurs the greatest organization in sports, just so as a Jets fan, I don't have to bring myself to call the Patriots that. (laughs) And as a lifelong Patriots fan, I agree. All right, let's get to the big games that also happened today. So Memphis, they beat Milwaukee 119 to 106. Dylan Brooks, he had 31 points in this one. Jonas Valanciunas with 26 points, 19 boards, and 12 assists for a triple-double. And Ja managed a triple-double as well. Another solid outing for Brandon Clark and Grayson Allen in this one. Uh, you know, it was actually surprisingly competitive a little bit late in this game, but this one kind of felt like Memphis was in control the whole time. It seemed to be pretty apparent that they were going to head to the playoffs by the time they even got to halftime in this one. And then the lead just ballooned in the third quarter. So they really they really took care of business. And at the same time, Phoenix was beating Dallas easily. They ended up winning 128 to 102. Devin Booker with another great performance. He had 27 points. Campaign, the campaign continues in 2020. He had 15 points on three for five shooting from deep. Monty Williams gave an amazing speech afterwards. I mean, this is what Monty Williams does, right? He gives amazing speeches that makes you pour in tears. You know, they won that game by, they were up by, you know, 25, basically the entire second half. He, He told the team how proud he was of them and how honored he was to be their coach. And they hope that things work out. But obviously, no matter what, it was a great success. And unfortunately for them, somebody had to go home and uh, they were the ones that ended up going home. Uh, other scores on this game day, Washington, they beat the Celtics 96-90. and Sacramento beat the Lakers 136-122. And Orlando and New Orleans, they were playing at the same time as Brooklyn and Portland. And I don't think a single soul on earth even watched that game. Orlando won that one, 133-122. 27 and then Utah they ended San Antonio season with a 118 to 112 win. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget on Saturday, the play-in matchup between Memphis and Portland. That will kick off at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Don't forget about the other basketball shows that we have across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like the Athletic NBA show, No Dunks, Tampering, and House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. Don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes 
episodes and utilize the podcast episode comment section. You can tell Dave Dufour's beard looks great. You can tell Jared Weiss he's extremely handsome. You can tell Waz that he's the biggest you've ever heard of. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck. You can get all of our podcasts ad-free, plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. Get a subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding. You never know when these promos end, so get there soon. Thank you for waking up with us. Waz, take us home. Ding, ding, dong. Ding, 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 dong. 